All right, friends, family, friends who have become familia, you know what time it is. Your favorite hour, maybe not quite hour, of soccer talk. Welcome to the Reformed Hooligans podcast presented to you by SSAW. As always, I'm your host, Osahan, here with my co-host, with my, uh, Brian, what are, what are we running today? You know what? We just talked about it. We just talked. We'll go to your, we'll go to your land, Portugal. Okay. And what you said, the Portuguese should run in the Euros. We're going to run a 4-4-2. We will be the two up top, a good Joao Felix and Cristiano Ronaldo. That That's who we are today. What's going on, my friend? Oh, doing great. And with a midfield like Portugal, if you see Portugal's midfield, man, you can run any formation you want. You can run a 5-3-2. Actually, I don't know about that. I don't trust the center backs. Run a 3-6-1. You really could. You really could. I've done it before. France, too. France, too. France, France and Portugal. France, Portugal, Belgium. Those are, those are going to be the big three to watch. And then, and, then Spain, and then Spain a decade ago put them all in that group. They're all, there's no weaknesses on those. Goodness, flawless, flawless teams found a way to win no matter what, what level they were at. Um, and not just didn't, didn't just have the talent, but had some decent enough managers who knew how to put them in positions to win. Speaking of managers, Brian, it is firing season or sacking season in the football world. Number one, first first sacking, which I think is uh, the first of several, Frank Lampard. It is not ironic that we just talked about him last episode and raised the question of him getting fired. I think I might have even called for it. during. I, I went off during my, my rant on Chelsea. And not even a week later, they give him the boot and had his replacement lined up in one Thomas Tuchel. Brian, I got to hear, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? I don't know. I mean, Tuchel was a name that was thrown out there from the very beginning uh, for the Chelsea job, even before, too. Before he even took PSG, Abramovich was in on him. Now, why Chelsea left? I mean, uh, why Chelsea fired Frank is one for the tabloids. We're not going to waste five minutes speculating on it as to why. I mean, you look at the results. I mean, despite the, the plus 10 goal differential, which kind of tells you exactly how streaky that Chelsea has been, but it tells you how good they were. So I think Abramovich is looking at it like, Chelsea's got all this potential. You showed that, obviously, the talent's there, but you're simply playing the wrong guys. But then you see Tuchel in there, and Tuchel's like kind of philosophically a lot different than Frank. Frank's like, Kind of a hard ass. Tuchel's a little more laissez-faire. That's like going from like Bernie to Ted Cruz. If you're going to go American politics, like you know, where Bernie's more like, okay, got this, got this. Frank's trying to micromanage everything because Frank's a former player and he's thinking of it as if he's the leader of the team. I think he tried to coach as if he was team captain almost, which I feel like, you know. Let's look at a lot of the young players. Let's look at a lot of the players that became coaches. Zidane kind of still manages like that. He got away with it because, I mean, how good those Madrid teams were. But you can't really coach like that. You can get away with that on the national level like Deschamps has. But then again, Deschamps is a different level because Deschamps was much more knowledgeable than many players in his era either. I mean, obviously. But the reason why a lot of, coach, a lot of players have become coaches struggle is because simply they just think the game and their vision. And they think, the, they think that, like, he, I mean, Frank Lampard probably still thinks Mason Lampard, uh, Mason Mount's like the second coming of him. So no comment. 
I don't know. Like, I mean, he played more time than anybody. So I just feel like the combinations for Chelsea were poor. I feel like the timing could have been better. I mean, sure, you could have gave Frank the whole season. But at the same time, if you miss out on the top four, then at what rate, at, at, at what cost? So now you're not going to get a Tuchel. You're going to get stuck with, like, having to bring Rafa Benitez or something. Like, you don't want to miss out on that. Ugh. Which for Chelsea would be bad. That, that's now that's going to Ron Paul territory. Like, Rafa Benitez is like, yeah, th- as I said, these are great references. But uh, besides, the, like, that's really the difference, though. Because, I mean, you have to understand, these are more management of personalities, too. And Tuchel didn't really have, I mean, Tuchel got, uh, unless, you, unless you listen to EF, ESPN FC, where they criticize Tuchel all the time because Jules likes to crap on Tuchel for everything. But besides the point, is that, you know, Tuchel didn't really have many issues at PSG. I mean, he took him to the Champions League final, and people were still questioning him as a manager. So at the same time, like, Tuchel has some questions to answer because the three clubs he's taken over, the last three clubs, I mean, mines leave mines alone because, I mean, they had Klopp, and then they had Tuchel, and then they fell off. So I have no sympathy for mines. Out, out forever, and then he goes to Dortmund, has issues with Dortmund being there. Now, he's had some good young players there that they turned out to big profits. So, obviously, Dortmund was able to get back to the level they were at near Klopp, at least money-wise, but they still can't get back to the level they were under Klopp. And then he goes to PSG, has the success he has, and now Tuchel's going to come to Chelsea, and all of a sudden, like, the same thing's going to happen. I think Abramovich is a little naive. It, I mean, it's Roman Abramovich. The man's going to be banned from, or is banned from, England, uh, wow. There's a lot to digest there. But I feel like Tuchel's, Tuchel's past will is, is a lot of question marks. Now, you know, people can go through, you know, the whole sports talk scene, all the sports fans, like all the fans and all the Chelsea fans in England, the consensus seems to be Tuchel, his, 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 his German, obviously his German nationality, Havertz, Werner, Rudiger, Fine, whatever. I, I, I could, I, I, I kind of understand the logic there, but at the same time, like Chelsea's issues rein in on the same issue that they had last season, which is that midfield three. Come on, and that's and that's the reason Chelsea was Chelsea was thirty points off because that midfield three. It wasn't because Tammy Abraham wasn't scoring goals because he was. I think he had fifteen or sixteen goals last year. It wasn't because those wings weren't creative enough. They were, and I think adding Hakeem Ziak alone would have been enough for that. Not even adding Werner. You could have you could have re-signed Giroud and just left it as Abraham and Giroud and then waited and then waited for Erlen Halan. I thought waiting for Halan. Remember I said this in the summer? I think waiting for Halan was Chelsea's best idea because then they could afford Camavinga should have been the young guy they gone after. But maybe because Ren was in the Champions League, they put a hamper to that. But then again, last year, you look at um Halan went to Dortmund. Salzburg sold a midseason. Sabah's lie going to Leipzig. There's no excuse for Chelsea why they couldn't have got that done with Camavinga. That's that would have been the crown jewel. Then, then Conte goes to Madrid, and and Madrid doesn't feel compelled to have to have Kroos and Modric signed to long-term extension. So there's a domino effect here because I think Madrid could have done a swap with Chelsea for Conte. I don't know if they would want to do a swap for any for Pogba for Man United. I don't think there's 
anybody that Man United would want at Madrid at this point. Right. Unless Because Madrid's not going to want to give up Odegaard. Not that Man United need Odegaard. They're not going to give up Ibrahim Diaz. They're not going to give up. Like, they let Hakimi go to Inter for whatever. So, like, outside of that, who does Man United want at that point? Because I know Hakimi would have been wanted in a swap for Pogba. That's a given. But other than that, like, that's that's the deal. So there's a domino effect because, obviously, with the pandemic, the market's going to change. So I feel like with Tuchel, this is more of a tactical hire. Now, Caleb Hudson-Odoi playing right back does not work on football manager. Just just putting that out there. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Alex Awobi. Alex Awobi and Mike. Because Everton, it's almost like Tuchel is... Tuchel has been watching a lot of Ancelotti because what he's done with Alex Awobi at the inverted, kind of as an inverted winger, but in the midfield's position. But Awobi's just so... Awobi's like a guy that Arsenal should have held on to. Why did you sell Awobi to buy Pepe? I mean, granted, he scored this weekend. I want to give Nicola Pepe a shout-out, first of all. But come on. What is third goal of the season? But when you... That was nice. That was like the goals he scored at wheel. But when I when I when I'm watching even Pepe, Pepe has looked like he's had a little more Pepe in his step um, since uh, Smith Rowe got injected into the lineup. Alex Awobi, I think Arsenal gave up on him too soon, which is frustrating to see. But with Saka, you almost understand why. Maybe there wouldn't have been. It's it's, it's the same situation with a I don't know an Adama Traore um, with Barcelona. Like they gave up on him. Now, who knows? He might end up going back there. I don't know. But this whole uh, Tuchel to Chelsea situation, uh, once again, he walks into a situation where talent is abundant. And not just talent, but in the- and young talent. Young talent. That's it. He has a stockpile of young talent to work with. And I think he'll get more out of them than maybe a Frank Lamp- Lampard could have. Frank Lampard should uh, do himself a favor, call up Wayne Rooney and... You know, just both of them manage Derby County back to uh, Premier League because the last. No, I, c- I couldn't see that work. The last time they made it to the Premier League, it ended up being one of the worst teams in Premier League history. That's another story, friend. So true. That's so true. Brian, I. Lampard, we saw coming. I mean, I think Stevie Wonder could have seen Frank. Frank Lampard. There was a suggestion on TalkSport. I think there's a YouTube. Actually, I saw it on YouTube that he should wait till Roy Hodgson retires from Crystal Palace and then take that job. I'm like, you know what? Frank Lampard wouldn't have the patience to put up with Crystal Palace. It'd be a fun gig, though. I like that that bunch over there. I would say even better Southampton because Hassan Hoodle's definitely leaving in the summer. Oh, yeah. He's out. He's he's. He's definitely out. No Ings, no Ings, no Ralph. That's that's how it's been. You're going. done. But yeah. with that being said, I, I said this at the top that I don't think Lampard's firing is the last we're going to see. Um, I there could be two more. Two more. I say for sure, Steve Bruce at Newcastle. I've I've been frustrated watching them. Another team with a plethora of talent and is underperforming. By a mile, by a country, actually, since we're talking Europe, by a country meter, just underperform. There is no reason, for example, on the left side of the pitch, that you have Jamal Lewis, St. Maximan, and because they like to, Joel Linton. And you can't get any sort of goal scoring production. 
you can't get any sort of flavor or flair or personality in the attack. No. Steve Bruce, what, 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 what's going on? What's going on? For Newcastle to be at 19 points. Now, granted, you know, I, I, I mean, Brighton are horrible to watch. And Newcastle, Newcastle make Brighton look like 2010 Barcelona. That's how boring Newcastle is. I would rather watch, I'd rather watch like championship. I'd rather watch like the Carabao Cup with like all second team players than watch Newcastle. I'd rather watch Bolton Wanderers who were once in the Premier League and are now in League 2. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun one. But at the same time, I have no sympathy for Newcastle. Like, Villa fell off. West Ham has had to fall off and come back. Um, Leeds United had their great fall and came back. Wolves had their fall and it looked like they might be falling again. And then, as I said, I mean, look at Fulham. Fulham were in the Premier League 10 years ago. They were solid. They had Brian Ruiz and Clint Dempsey. Two really good players, among others. So I think everyone has their fall. I mean, Blackburn, Portsmouth. Darby, I mean, yeah, there are clubs that have been in the Premier League up and down. Nottingham Forest, right? I mean, these are clubs that obviously have achieved things in English yeah. football, and they're not even in the Premier League. Coventry City, you know? they're in, I think they're in League One now. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's how it goes. The Premier League's tough. I would say from, like, one, the top 35 clubs in England probably have such a financial advantage over the rest of the football league that, like, Frank could probably manage any of the top 35 clubs, and if he has the right talent around it, Frank or any of these managers that get fired can make it work. But here's my call. is uh, Who's the next manager to get sacked? I'm going to have an upset one for you because we gave a lot of love to him on this show last year, and I'm going to go the fact that based on who has a lot of influence at that club, the move could be made very easily. And I'm going to say that Nuno, Santo, Nuno Espirito Santo could be the next one to go. Because if you look at what happened in Valencia when he left, now granted he had two good seasons in Valencia, and year three it kind of fell apart. Now this is year four for Nuno. But I kind of feel like it's getting stale. And as I said, when you play that aggressive attacking style that he plays, it's going to wear thin. And uh, I, I just feel like for Wolves, I mean, maybe... Like Frank, maybe a different direction is needed. They never report now. Obviously, with Jimenez out, losing Jota and Doherty, and having Connor Cody and Wilfred Bali and and Willie Bali pretty much have to play every minute they're healthy. That's not that's a lot to ask for. But I think with Nuno, that's something. I mean, with Mendez, with the history of Mendez, and obviously that ownership and and Wolves, if they feel like they're, you know, close to where they don't want to be, they probably view themselves as a top half club. If they're going to be closer to 14th or 15th than 10th, then I think Nuno going might not be totally unplausible. I don't want to. I don't want to see it happen because I think Wolves should stay patient. But at the same time, I could see them moving on from Nuno and maybe looking at a Bruno Laja, like they did before they hired Nuno, uh, the former Benfica coach who had a lot of success there. And, and Wolves has doesn't have depth. We've talked about that at length on this program before. They don't have any depth. So, like you said. You know, they they moved up, they managed the Premier League, but these guys just look gassed. And when you're running that hard attacking style, if you don't have depth, it shows when you get beat off the counterattack, and that is often where the biggest holes for them fall. And then you add to that the players that they've lost. The best I've seen Wolves look this entire season was in their FA Cup tie, I think it was two weeks ago, and they ran a 4-3-3. I said this on the last episode. 
they looked yeah and silva was more of like a deep line forward like he was playing, he was playing like how kane like jose Mourinho would be a good coach for for spurs for wolves because he would be he would give him the discipline and i feel like with neves he would rat neves out like the same way he did dumbbelly like imagine neves in that dumbbelly role oh how about did you, like that's kind of did you just have a freudian slip and say jose would be a great coach for wolves yes are you saying he would be jose is gonna get fired next no, no, Spurs won't pull the trigger that quickly. They they owe they, they still have three years guaranteed. But Jose would be a good coach for Wolves. Like that's the kind of coach Wolves need to go after. Actually, to be honest with you, Rafa Benitez would be a good coach for Wolves. So that's kind of the, the Wolves are at the same place where Newcastle were when they hired Benitez. The issue is with Wolves, they could score goals. They have plenty of guys that can create goals, and much better players than Iosi Perez. Mm. I feel like Iozzi Paris makes his way into every episode. There's some way, somehow, you find a way to pull an Iozzi Paris reference. He's so frustrating. <laughs> like Christian Benteke frustrating? Put it this way. If Lester had bought, like, a play... If they had spent the money in Europe instead of in England, on the, if they spent $40 million in England and not buy Pepe, they could have had a better player than Paris. That's all I'm going to say. Like, look at Federico Chiesa going to Juve. That's like a $34 million move that's going to be for Juve. That's the same price as Iosi Perez went to Leicester. Jeez, man. That's frustrating. You could have you could have even went into the championship and grabbed Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen's better than Iosi Perez. What's him? Him got him 24 with add-ons. That's whiff. That means they didn't pay 24 originally. So All in. Timeouts. And Suchek. You could have literally got Suchek and Bowen. So that's all I'm saying for that. So Leicester kind of screwed up there. Since we're already here and you mentioned their name, West Ham, we, I think we can, we can switch on over from managers to player movement. Uh, the transfer window ends in, what, three days? Three, four? Yeah. Um, movement, not too many, not too many, you know, not too many crazy moves. Uh, a, a move or at least a player that we've talked about moving not extensively on this program, but I know you and I talk about it offline. Uh, Jesse Lingard uh, has definitely needed a move to, I think, I think a, 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 a fresh start. Over oh, getting tongue-tied. A fresh start, but also in a place where he can play more of a central pressing role because that's where he is best. And so news came out today that he is on his way to West Ham. The Hammers. Listen, West Ham looks good. Let, let's let's not even d- give them their flowers. We're going to give them their flowers. West Ham, they're three teams who definitely need their flowers. They have been on our mouths, I think, since the summertime at least. Brian, if there's anyone who has believed in these teams and made me a believer in them, it's been you. Um, West Ham, Aston Villa, and Burnley. But West Ham right now is looking like the cream of that three crop. Jesse Lingard to West Ham. What do you, what, what do you, isn't that crazy that that was 15th, 16th, and 17th in the Premier League last year? Now, Burnley aside, because I mean, Burnley, if the, if it wasn't for the pandemic, the takeover would have happened last summer and they might have been able to grab. I mean, Burnley could have probably gotten Ollie Watkins over Villa with the new money they have now. Let's be fair. But outside of that, like Burnley wasn't going to go after anybody because their only need is attack. Their defense is beautiful. I kind of like the way they play defense. Shout out to Sean Dyche for keeping that that team organized defensively. Yeah, I mean, even though there's 15th, like, I mean, they only, get, they only scored 13 goals. Like, they're literally the second worst attack in the Premier League. 
and yet they only give up 24 goals. So that tells me that if you gave them like, I mean, Crystal Palace signed Mateta, right? If Mateta was on Burnley, Burnley would be able to even their goal differential. That might be another three or four wins that they otherwise wouldn't get. That's an example. I mean, look at Wolves without Jimenez. That's that's a huge. That's basically the difference between Burnley having a striker and Burnley not having a striker. That's the best comparison I can give you. Man, or how Southampton looked without Ing- before Shea Adams emerged. How Ing- how Southampton looked with Ings, or when Jack Grealish was out for three games last year for Villa, and they gave up thirteen goals in those three games. Like that's literally what happened to Burnley. Now Burnley got some nice wins, United and Liverpool. I don't want to talk about it. Um, yes. You're right. I mean, th- those are some good wins. And you know what? That pulls them ahead at 22 points. And they're now basically six points off of 10th place. So Burnley can get hot here and, and simply just get back in the fold. Yep. Yep. Not crazy. They've done it before. You know, it's crazy. So uh, part, of, part of this deal of Jesse Lingard to West Ham includes West Ham signing Benarama to a permanent deal so they can make room for this Lingard uh loan i like that a lot i like benarama and he's he's been doing he's been putting in work if you haven't poor burnford yeah if you you're right if you haven't watched the west ham match watch a west ham match watch a an aston villa match these these two clubs are making great strides um a rumor a rumored move i don't think it's gonna happen but i know it made you chuckle um ryan bertrand to arsenal from Southampton. Brian, Brian, why why the sigh? I, I mean, what the hell? I, I don't even... I, there's nothing that makes me like Ryan Bertrand. Like, I'm sure he's a swell guy. I, I'm sure he's a swell dude. But, like, nothing makes me... Like, the fact that they went... The Southampton went out and bought Kyle Walker-Peters tells me that they didn't really want Bertrand playing every game. That That's what that tells me. Now, on the other hand, like letting Eric Peters go wasn't the smartest move either from Southampton, but that's a different story. Uh, we're not going to start that conversation today either. Um, yeah, I, I just don't really understand the logic for Arsenal. You got rid of Kolasinic, a left back who doesn't play. And I think I would take Kolasinic over Bertrand. Sheesh. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I would. Because Bertrand, Bertrand's so prone to those stupid yellows. At least with Kolasinac, he's physical, but like Kolasinac can at least play more. If you play a more direct style, which Arsenal would benefit them to do, Kolasinac is still better than Bertrand. Tough. Tough. Unless unless Arteta is trying to play him as like, unless you're playing like a 3-5-2, which I mean, actually, well, like one of those three in the backs, Bertrand's kind of useful. But then again, you still have soccer. Like, play your young kids. Arsenal has like 18 million academy kids that can play that role. Why why bring in Ryan Bertrand? We have said this, no pun intended. Premier League, you're not getting top four if you're Arsenal. At this point, get in the top six. Get the Yeah, exactly. Just get in the top six. And 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 please just re you know what? Just keep Smith Rowe, Odegaard, and Saka on the field. For the love of just I don't care if you have to switch off Lacazette and Aubameyang every other game going forward. Let, let it happen. Those, you keep those three kids on the field. And then you should perform. You threw out Odegaard. We, didn't we talk about this last week? I think we talked about, we did talk about this last week, about Odegaard going to Arsenal. 
Romano broke it so early. Yeah, we we said that was yeah yeah we said Arsenal should just pull the trigger on it and they did. So Martin Odegaard headed on his way to Arsenal. Great move. I'm not going to give Mikel Arteta any roses for it because, or any flowers for it because it's an obvious move that he should have made. And he, I mean, he, he helped get it done. So that's really what he deserves credit for getting it done because I feel like the, the Arsenal board, the Arsenal board weren't going to have any sense of urgency to make the move happen, which is typical of any cronky organization. Uh, cover zero can cover the other side of the cronky organization if they want to. So, because I have a lot of things to say about the other cronky organization. Uh, so <laughs> not a not a teaser for this offseason when I uh, hit on cover zero a few times. So but this is the way I look at it with Arsenal. You spend 70 million on Pepe. You let Martinez go. You let Awobi go. You figure out a way to get Ozil out of there, which is huge. That wage bill is huge. You find a way to get Kolasinac out of there. OK. And then you get Socrates out of there. OK, fine. But what is Ryan Bertrand going to do for you? What is now, Odegaard does great for that attack. Odegaard and Smith in every other game. You can even sub them out. You can go, you can play them together because I love Odegaard on the right wing. I've been vouching for this. Yeah, I mean, because where Mikel or Ayazabal was someone Sociedad liked playing at the 10, and this is something Felipe and I talked about before uh, off air, because Mikel likes to play in the middle, Odegaard learned to play a little bit more on the right-hand side. That was something he didn't have before playing a social dad. He didn't have to do that if it tests. Right. So I feel like Odegaard would have been better off. It, it, this is this is a great move for him. I mean, outside of getting Philip Coutinho, this was the best move Arsenal could have done. Facts. And Which obviously was unattainable. Their, their attack, their midfield is about to look real sexy, okay? Odegaard, uh, Smith-Rowe, Saka, they're young, and they're going to... They're going to get it done. Talented, technical. Uh, they have the flair, and especially Saka and uh, Smith Rowe, the minutes that they've been getting at this point during the season uh, is going to do them wonders. Uh, it's always important, as we all know, for young players to get their minutes. Um, and so this season, even if Arsenal doesn't make any major leaps, um, I know we joked at some point during the season, Arsenal was close to the relegation zone next season. Uh, Arsenal, I expect them to make some some more progress, to make some more moves. Uh, another move that I shot your direction um, is rumored is William Jose to uh, Wolves. And that was official this week. That was reported last week as well. Um, I'm, not so, I'm not sold on William Jose. I mean, if this was like 2017, sure. But... Right now, I mean, Alexander Isaac completely beat him out as social dad, which is fine. Isaac finally lived up to his potential. I'm happy for Alexander Isaac. But at the same time, like, social dad were willing to let him go, considering he made, like, 150 appearances for them. And the dude's not really 30 yet. So, I mean, his size will help. He's more of a target man at this point. That's the part I'm a little concerned about. Is he going to be able to do a lot of the things they had Jimenez do? Or are they going to play him with Silva? Are they going to play? They, they don't have a Jota to play off him. So that's really like kind of like, I want. I think they bought Silva to be Jota. And then they were hoping that if Jimenez goes for a big sale, they could just buy a big striker. And all the big strikers happen to be going this year. Osaman. The only one left is Altson Eduard. That's the person I would have bought if I was. That's the exact player you put next to a Fabio Silva. Silva's kind of like, 
Fabio Silva is like Joao Felix. If Joao Felix were a better finisher down the line, because obviously Silva is a much more technical finisher. I don't even have to go into it because if you watch some of the shots Fabio Silva takes in training, he's a lot better at it than Felix is. Where Felix separates himself is the same way that a lot of those Portuguese number 10s separate themselves at a young age. Their flair, their dribbling ability, the fact that they can create, they're great on one-on-ones. It's what made Ronaldo great. It's what made Figo great. It's what made Rui Costa great. It's what made Deco great, et cetera, down the line. Because Felix is more Deco, Rui Costa, as opposed to Fabio Silva could be a Pauletta. And I think that's something that, that's something that I think needs to get, um, if, for Portuguese soccer fans, that's that's the hope, is that he is that. Now, Wolves are probably hoping he's more of a Jota, and that's really not who he is. And I think that's might be the mistake that Wolves lives by. And I think with Jose, you're counting on Silva to have to do the Jota role. And that might be a lot for him at this point. Now, Pedro Neto can do that. Facts. Thankfully, thankfully but he's going to be gone. He's going to be gone in 18 months. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Last last transfer uh, we'll talk about is Papu Gomez to Sevilla. That's a great move for Sevilla's uh, Champions League push. They could use him. Oh wait, the Europa League push. <laughs> Why Papu Gomez literally blew it? Um, th- th- this is there's been a lot of talk in Italy that he blew it because. They're still talking Aiden Zedko being swapped, by the way, too. So there's still some Serie A movement to be made. I forgot he was even alive. Zedko, yeah, Roma hasn't really, uh, you know, Roma hasn't really missed. Roma hasn't needed him as much as they've needed him in past seasons, uh, thankfully for their sake. But at the same time, or, or Justin Cliver for that matter either, neither has Leipzig. So that didn't, that didn't work out for Leipzig. But at the same time, we're looking at Papo Gomez, and he had... Last summer, after Atalanta's big season, he knew there were 12 months left in his contract. He could have waited six months and got a better deal. But I feel like him trying to stay in the Argentina fold is what forced the Sevilla move. I almost wonder if for Argentina, like, maybe it is real that Argentina players uh, that play in Spain do have a leg up. I think Aguero mentioned that before, too, in the Argentina setup. Like, they just want dudes to play in La Liga. It's more their style. That's a whole different political issue for another day. Um, But I wonder for Gomez if he blew it because I think any of the top Italian sides could have had him. I mean, Atalanta may have barred it. You're telling me Marseille couldn't have made a move for him? They're in on Milic. They could have gotten Papa Gomez. They just lost Morgan Sanson to Villa. You're telling me they couldn't have gotten him? Um, Leon could have got him to at least be insurance in case when they lose Alwar next year. And at least that buys him some time while they develop some of those midfielders, because their attackers are developing. So they're even if they lose to Pi for free, they're not really losing out that much, because Giori and um, and Cherokee can, will be there in time. Like how Ajax were in the midfield when Van de Beek and De Jong left. They had Gravenberch, and Gravenberch is really good. So you have to have those young guys in place. The problem is, Atalanta, yes, they've looked good. They've maintained their pace without Gomez in there. But at the same time, you were the face of that team. Like, if you if they weren't looking at you seriously as the face of one of the most fun attacking sides in world football, then why are they going to take you seriously on an inconsistent Sevilla side that constantly underachieves every year? 
despite the fact they win trophies, but not the trophies that you should be going for. Like, Sevilla are kind of weird. They're kind of, like, the same way. They're kind of in the same realm that, like, United have been the last eight years. Like, yeah, not the same comparison, because obviously comparing United to Sevilla is a joke. But at the same time, like, like, like Man U, Sevilla's had all this young talent, Kwanda, uh, Ocampos. They've had all this talent come through. Even Reguilon was there. They've got Marco Sakuna. And yeah, they're doing fine now, but like you could have, you should be like Champions League round of eight. Like they should be the fourth best team in, with Valencia down. They should be the fourth best team in Spain. That's what Sevilla should be. Them, Sociedad, Valencia, Bilbao. That should be, and then Villarreal every once in a while. That should be literally how La Liga lines up. And that's how it should be talent wise. But again, Valencia choking out, and then Villarreal still in the tube might have gotten in the way for Sevilla. But they're a better roster than Villarreal. I also think they're better managed than Villarreal because I don't like you and I, Emery. So, again, I mean, Gomez... Emery. Gomez better know what he's doing because if he doesn't play the whole second half of the season, it's going to look... And Atalanta gets in the top six in Italy, it's going to look really Real bad. Um, you Real bad on him. You mentioned my dear Manchester United Red Devils. Yo, Brian, the top four in the Premier League are all separated by four points. And this top four actually looks very close and very similar to what we predicted between me, you, and Felipe um, right before the season started with one difference. Um, I think we we all had one of the Manchester clubs being top two and both Manchester clubs are in the top two separated by one point city with 41 points at the halfway point of the season with a game in hand and Manchester United with 40 points after a disappointing loss to Sheffield. Uh, But the number three team, uh, the three and four, we all went back and forth between Liverpool being three or four at this point, Liverpool is fourth. And Leicester is number three. Um, I don't think any of us pegged Leicester to be three. I think we all pegged Leicester to be a five or six and had Chelsea being in that that race for third and fourth. Um, and right. how bad we got that wrong. Do you think... Well, Wesley Fafana, that's, that's all I got to say about that. He's been amazing this year. Telemans, Madison, and Ndidi have all been... Well, Madison... Madison's been out. Madison's been out. And Harvey Barnes has really been the best player on there for this year. Um, but Le- Leicester needs to get a second striker, and they need to get him now. Listen, they live and die by Jamie Vardy. And it's like, like if Leicester like is going to break the bank, why don't they go to Benfica and steal Darwin Nunez? That would be, that would be literally Leicester City putting their foot down. Because you know, you know Chelsea and Man City are going to fight for Holland. You might as well get the guy who everyone's going to go after Holland because Nunez is going to be the second hottest striker on the market this summer. Do it, do it. So I asked this question, Brian. Um, do you think those top four stay in the top four at the are going to be in the top four at the end of the season? Um, I think City and United are safe. I think they're pretty stable squads. I mean, United have given up 27 goals. It's a little concerning. Uh, in 20 games but at the same time like they had defensive issues and i think like seven of them were that really bad game. seven of them were that really bad tottenham game so realistically we take the tottenham game out 
20 and 20. That's not, you know, it's not too shabby. Even with Liverpool, like Liverpool's given up 23 in 20 games. And once again, seven of them. The Villa. Villa. Shout out to Ollie Watkins. Yeah. I mean, again, like the Premier League's tough this year. I mean, if United are going to be having slip-ups against Burnley, City could very well. I mean, City might win the league at this point. Leicester, I I worry about because, again, like we talked about before, you know, the Johnny Evans slip-up last year uh, that led to United's goal and that took Leicester out of the top four. Like, Is Leicester going to fall off again at the end of the year? I get it. They're not playing Sionko, and it's it's kind of scary defensively that Sionko's not playing. With Johnny Evans' contract situation getting down to the end and nobody's really talking about it, what happens there? Like, what happens when we get to March and April when Evans is looking out to protect himself because he knows it's going to be suitors? Like, especially if a Spurs offer. Like, a Spurs offer more money than Leicester, which I don't know if that's possible at this point. Yeah. Everton, Everton's not going to go after him. But what about if Aston Villa decides that? Like, a Villa's going to want to spend. Oh, for sure. A Leeds, Leeds is going to want to spend. Southampton will have money to blow. They still have money to blow. If Southampton want to spend money, they can. So at the same time, because if Southampton lose Vestergaard, signing Evans on a free is the best solution for Southampton. So I'm just putting that out there. And ironically, you mentioned that Villa and Southampton are both tied with 29 points apiece. Do you see... At the bottom half of the top 10, yeah. Yeah, do you see a West Ham or a Tottenham making a run into the top four? They are both... Uh, they're only two points away from each other. Tottenham is sitting at sixth with 33 points. West Ham at fifth with 35 points. Do you see either of those t- teams making a run in this second half and challenging for a top four spot? I have faith in West Ham if they can sign a damn striker. Dude. Like, I think David Moyes, David Moyes is looking for his new Lukaku right now, I feel like, and he's not going to find it. There's no young prospect on the, like West Ham. If West Ham had this run at the second half of last year, when Moyes, if Moyes didn't run the freaking stupid five three twos the second half of last year, they would have probably had a chance at some of the guys like Jeremy Doku, for example. Like, how fun would it be to see Doku on West Ham? I don't know if Doku would be ready to play it at the Premier League level. I don't think so, based on the way he's played in France. But hey, I pay to see it. I want a Jonathan David. Hey, he's struggling in France too, but those dudes. There's a difference there because that's now. I mean, actually, David with Mikel Antonio would be kind of a good mix. Actually, I kind of like that. I do as well, especially with Mikel Antonio's health of late. Um, wow, I I see. I mean, Crystal Palace just grabbed Mateta. I mean, Mateta's a talented dude. They're fourteen from the table. I mean, granted, mine's stuck, but I mean, <laughs> mines are terrible. But at the same time, like Crystal Palace, like they're not in a really good situation. They're fourteen. Big facts. I see this top four probably staying the same. I think West Ham makes a run and possibly challenges for that. Um, that Ever- Everton could. Everton could if, uh, if, if health. Health has been a big issue. Let's remember Everton at one point. Everton and Villa were top two, I think, first five to ten games in the, of the season. Um, Everton had some issues health-wise. Now they've, I think their whole squad is healthy. Um, James came back in a beautiful goal. Uh, yes, in uh, the match two days ago from, from when this, this episode is premiering. Uh, Hamas looking like Hamas. So Everton, if they stay healthy and get back to the form that we saw early in the season, lethal, uh, they could, uh, what, they're four points out of the top four. They can make. And here's the next six games. So they play, um, they have Newcastle, 
Leeds. So those should be, realistically, they should win both of those games. Uh, Man United, that's going to be a tough one for them, but that's a challenge. Fulham, they should be able to win that game, but that could be one that they trip up because of typical Everton fashion. Liverpool and then Southampton. So these next six games, they should be able to get, if they can go 4-1-1, and one, that puts them basically third. It's 13 points, yeah. That- at the same at the same rate. So that's... that's- I And I think... And this is not me being a hater, but Liverpool's issues in terms of health and with their center back situation, I only see them. And with the Champions League, because I think Atletico Madrid is that week. That's going to grind down Liverpool. And when I look at the, uh, was it that FA Cup match against United? Hey, we win 3 2. Great, great goal uh, to win it by Bruno off the bench with a free kick. However, when I see the goals that they gave up prior to that set piece by Bruno, the two goals they gave up to Greenwood and Rashford, mind you, each of them assisted on the other's goal. Uh, those were mistakes by their center backs that I can tell you right now, Virgil van Dyke is there in the middle. That doesn't happen. So uh, Liverpool, uh, I can see them looking very vulnerable and potentially getting caught by either West Ham or Everton. I don't trust Tottenham enough. I don't know. It's just something about that team that I don't trust. Or if if Kane's going to miss a month, then forget it. They're out. Forgot to bring that up. Henry Kane. Mourinho said a couple weeks, which with Kane means a month. So you know what? Done. It's not just one. It's both ankles are hurt. Well, there is an exception, however. If Steven Bergvine ends up filling in at the nine in the meantime, that could be interesting. But at the same time... Was that last season? Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't think Mourinho's too happy with Giovanni right now. So I don't think that's, gonna, I don't think that's even worth mentioning. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a really not-so-fun situation for Jose Mourinho. But at the same time, he almost like doesn't really want... I don't know. This dude talks about how he was able to get a team to score 112 goals, which is the La Liga record. And let's see if he can create goals out of this roster. Uncle Jose, we believe in you. And by believe in you, we don't. Because um, <laughs> that defensive effort against Liverpool was disgusting. Eric Dyer, mistake. Um, <laughs> I pick on Eric Dyer. But honestly, and Lloris. Larice made at least two or three big mistakes in that game. And and unt- just Spurs look like Spurs look like they need a, a little bit of help there. And honestly, Lucas Mora could be an option as well. Lucas Mora could get hot. He's done to it see before. Lucas Mora turn on the Jets. But I really would like to see. I like that Bergvine suggestion. Uh, like I think we've talked about it before. Bergvine is kind of like the poor man's Traore, um, but he's I mean super pacey, super super strong throw him in there let's let's see what he can do and of course we know how son operates i think those two would would play well off of each other um but tottenham got to stop with the draws i mean liverpool too liverpool and tottenham draw way too many games i mean chelsea chelsea's issue is that their losses are some bad losses their draws they played good but they not good enough but like they've looked really dominant in their wins with 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 them it's like with tottenham it's like yeah their wins they look really good like Chelsea, their draws, they look like, okay, like they're half there, half not. And their losses, they look terrible. Like that, that Chelsea and Tottenham are literally the same team. Yeah. It's just Chelsea spent 230 million euros. Oh, uh, don't remind me. As we wrap up, because we mentioned Uncle. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I think it's it's time we take a look at two players who have been coached by him, who've been managed by him, uh, in the good old Milan Darby. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whew. How did like- he would not have been he would not have been happy about that. No. We had a, he does not like this type of drama. A nice little spat between Romelu Lukaku and Zlatan. Okay, some words were said. Don't need, don't bear repeating here. Um, all I all I will say is this: there was a comment made by Zlatan about Lukaku going home and having his mom do her voodoo. Lukaku didn't take too nicely about it. Says some words about Zlatan's wife. Uh, they got separated. I thought they were going to fight for the record. I think Lukaku wins that fight. Uh, uh, no doubt that Lukaku wins that because I think he gives him the Mike Tyson special. As Mike Tyson was found to say, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I think that would be Zlatan just talks and Zlatan doesn't think anyone's going to hit him until Zlatan bleeds his own blood and tastes it. He's going to keep talking. Uh, Zlatan eventually got a red card in that match. Yeah, nice tackle. Um, following his little spat with uh with Lukaku, what were your what 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 were your initial reactions to to seeing that whole situation go down, Brian? I haven't seen Zlatan act up like this in years. It was almost like remember when he got bored at PSG, and he was starting to just that's almost what it looks like to me. Like is he bored at Milan? Maybe does he know that they're not going to keep him after this year? I, I'm pretty sure he knows. Didn't they just sign Mandzukic? Yeah, but like Manzukic and Zlatan are boys. Like that's kind of like a one-two punch kind of thing. Like who's the number nine for Milan long term? Like I have a feeling I have two guys on the top of my head that they're gonna target. But like Zlatan is almost competing. Like hey, you know whatever. This is like you know blah. Yeah, because but at the same time, like the the thing that bothered me about this whole thing was the 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 donkey reference, which I saw on Twitter thrown out there because like the donkey or monkey that he said because if it's donkey like i mean okay i mean i don't know i wasn't there when zlatan said it but at the same time like i think zlatan's history gives him the benefit of the doubt there however because zlatan just comes off so likable where you don't think that's him again you know you look at edison cavani who zlatan's really close with in the situation cavani just got himself into i wasn't a fan of that situation Um, by the way right i feel like you know some things just happen nonchalantly it's not really an excuse for it but i mean it might be trash talk zlatan's used to maybe he's used to calling everyone a donkey the voodoo thing the voodoo thing i think is is an old joke with lukaku and that needs to that needs to go away because i blame like that's some john terry shit that needs to go like there's no need for that Shout out to John Terry doing his thing over at Aston Villa. Um, That's true. Yeah, I, I like it's one thing to trash talk, which I think with, I, I honestly want to say with Zlatan, it is Natural's trash talk, and that's fine. He jaws, he talks. He's he's a um, he reminds me of Joel Embiid. But I mean, if you look at that Milan roster, do you think half of those dudes would put up with a monkey comment from Zlatan? Hell no. No, they they would. I don't think so. It's Zlatan. So we we. I don't think it's like what happened with Juve and Moise Keane, where like the only three players were Douglas Costa, Cristiano Ronaldo, and I forget, and and oh yeah, freaking Cancelo before he went to Man City. 
Those are the only three guys that consoled Moise Keen after that happened. That made me sick. That whole situation. And that made and, and and it's kind of crazy that, you know, it's all three foreign players, non Italian players too that happened. Yeah, Milan is a little more of a foreign team, so I think that's a little different. I think inter- they, they both teams that situation could have gotten a lot uglier, but I think for <laughs> Lukaku and for Zlatan, they're both very exuberant personalities. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, they're big guys. Look, they're, they're big, uh, literally big personalities, big guys. They both play the nine. Uh, they're they are in top, you know, four teams in 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 their league, and this this is a rivalry game. This is. This is, I mean, now Kawhi is not that guy, but if you throw a big personality on on the Clippers, this is Lakers Clippers type situation. So I I was disappointed initially when I saw everything, but when I was able to kind of get, I think the full the full scope of the whole situation. And Zlatan, I think, even apologized um, just for his kind of behavior throughout the the whole situation. Um, it's not, I'm not I'm not going to be quick to peg Zlatan as a racist or anything like that, and. Uh, right things things happen and are said in the heat of the battle um I, i'm not going to say it's much to do about nothing uh because it, it definitely shows where zlatan's head it started on a corner kick like a free kick like towards the box and obviously zlatan they milan uses him back defensively and they use liao as the forward that stays out of there and is is on the counter press for obvious reasons look at how fast rafael liao runs and that's fine Exactly. And and Zlatan, I mean, still can use his head and clear the ball at least to the halfway point. That's where it all started. And plus, you know, like AC Milan, I mean, this is this goes back to AC Milan. They need a center back that's a little bit more physical than Alessio Romagnoli. They need and this is where Fakayo Tamari comes in handy. Tamari. And wasn't this his first game with the squad? I have I, I don't think the move is official yet. I think they're still trying to figure that out. I think they're still trying to figure out the option to buy, which if I'm Chelsea, why the hell are you giving Milan the option to buy Tamari? Tamari's like one of the few young players I would have kept if I were Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Wow. It's all right. They have a history of regretting decisions with young players. So. Chelsea, Chelsea has been it's no- the ultimate feeder club. Yeah. No, no coincidence we started. The elite club, that's a feeder club. The only reason I'm not going to give PSG slack, flack for it is because a lot of those players leave PSG, go foreign, and a lot of those players don't stay in France. It's not like a lot of those PSG guys are staying in the French League and lighting them up. Chelsea's getting lit up by their own prospects, literally Kevin De Bruyne and Mohamed Salah. Yeah, yeah. So we, Two best teams in the prime in the last three years. So there, there's, I don't know what's in the Chelsea water that that happens, but... It's no coincidence we started this episode with Chelsea and we are ending this episode with Chelsea. Chelsea is the domino in this whole episode. Um, Brian, it's been real, as always. Um, I guess you'll be, you could be Joao Felix. I'll be Cristiano Ronaldo for this. Um, Once again, folks, another episode of the Reformed Hooligans podcast presented to you by SSAW. As always, host Osahan. Strike partner Brian. Y'all, hit us up. Twitter, Finstagrams, book faces. Come talk to us. We want to hear from you. And if you're a part of any soccer groups, we'd love to chat. We would love to uh, hear your thoughts. And we would also love to give you 
some takes that we know you will not agree with. And if you are a stan of, I don't know, any club that we dislike, Brian actually really, really, really loves any team from the Premier League. Uh, any team that I, I just don't like Bayern. Brian loves Bayern. With that being said, <laughs> we'll see you on the next one. Friends, family, and friends who have become familia. Signing out.